Just reflecting back on the recent trip to Uganda, I don't know the reason why I've been able to meet and work with such amazing, hardworking, God-fearing souls, but I'm thankful for every single one of you here in the States and those abroad. To take a phrase from a dear friend on the African team, you challenge me to do more, to have more faith, to work harder. Thank you. Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. I am your host, Drea Castro, and I'm here with Ashley Red, Native New Jerseyan, former Brooklynite, and now currently by the mountains, she settled in Fort Collins, Colorado. Ashley is a graphic designer with an incurable case of wanderlust. She loves to explore new places, foods, cultures, and take in the beauty of the world around her. Ashley started her love of travel at a young age and has been to 20 plus countries and counting. In 2013, Ashley went on her first mission trip to Honduras with the nonprofit organization Run for Water, founded and ran by her cousins in Tennessee. Since then, she has traveled to Central America and Africa with Run for Water. She has become part of the leadership team, helping expand a new branch called 84 Days, a women's ministry whose goal is to spread the love of Christ, empower women, teach feminine hygiene workshops, and self-defense classes. Thank you so much for joining us, Ashley. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I know Ashley from high school. Yeah. <laughs> so last time I spoke to her was probably, and I'm going to age myself, like 20, uh, well, close to 20 years ago. That's in a while. So, that's so weird. <laughs> but I see her on my social media and I see her all the time traveling and doing such amazing things around the world. Uh, first question I have for you, why are you passionate about travel and what does travel mean to you? So my mother is from Chile originally. And so she moved to the States when she was about 20 years old. And our family has been pretty diverse in regards to just our background overall and um, just family and friends that we always had around. So the fact that she came from another country, that's just been something that's been kind of integrated with us that, to travel around and explore new cultures. Um, and then growing up too, we always had, um, we had foreign exchange students come and stay with us um, while we were younger. And one of them actually, her name was Marta, and she came her first year just like to learn English. She was from Madrid, Spain. So she spoke Spanish, my mom spoke Spanish, and so like they became really good friends. And I think she was about 14 the first time she came. And then after that, she just kind of came every summer for about four or five years, um, just on her own, just to kind of be with us and work on her English and stuff. And so this past year, um, in 2019, I was actually out in Spain and I hadn't seen her since she was, I guess I think the last time I saw her, I was nine. And so when I was out there, I like looked her up and it was just like, just like old times. So she was exactly, you know, the same. <laughs> and it was just really great to like kind of have that connection for with somebody in a different country that you haven't seen in a long time. And um, so it's just always kind of been instilled with us to, to travel. My brother, uh, when he graduated college, he left for Japan for four years and then traveled for about 10 years teaching English in different countries. And it was just kind of a, if it's a thing that you love and you want to do, then, you know, you can make it happen kind of a thing. So I, I just love it. <laughs> what is it about travel that kind of draws you in? Because you travel to countries that are 
a little difficult to get to. Sure, <laughs> They're not sure. your typical, <laughs> you know, tropical vacation. It's, you know, what, what is it about that that draws you to travel there? Um, I mean, I love, I love a good type two fun, you know, <laughs> getting to, <laughs> getting to a place like it's, it's always, even if it's a struggle, it's always worth it, you know? <laughs> and, um, it's just like there, I've been really honestly just blessed with really great opportunities to go to certain places, um, like Uganda and Kenya. And that's when we traveled there, it's, I think one time it took us 50 hours of just like with layovers from the time oh, that we like left the house. My God. The time that we got to like the hotel we're staying in and I could like lie down. That was, it was funny. Like we were all there and my cousin came in he's like, oh, we're, a few of us are going to this one spot to do some, I forget exactly what it was. And I was like, all, all I can do is lie down and then take a shower and I'm too tired to take a shower. Yeah, so I'm just going to lie down. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but those are the best. Those they're are the, the best. best. I love being in the middle of somewhere completely different yes. and hard to get to for some reason. I love those. Yeah. <laughs> and I honestly, I, I like being out of my element and trying to figure out how to get places or how to communicate. Um, and it's just like having the different cultures, like I've been to Japan and just like what a flip it is from the American culture. Just like it's, it's so beautiful and it's so great and like I just love learning about it and just the way that people do have their everyday life that would probably be my favorite part of just like going to the like the stores and restaurants with locals and just kind of doing normal life things you know immersing yourself in that life yeah it's, it's strange it's like I love that you can go anywhere right now you can hop on a plane and you are going to be in a completely different world that you're used to. And that's one of the reasons why I like to travel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about life before deciding to travel the world. And then the moment you decided to work on mission specifically, what inspired you to move this way in your life? So in 2013, my cousins, they came to visit. And so they started running the organization run for water and um, they were just talking to my mom about it and they were going to go to Honduras. Um, and that particular trip was more, cause a lot of times some of these mission groups will take like college students or, you know, high school students or whoever, but that one particular was more about families, like groups of families that wanted to go. Oh, and, um, my mom told me, she's like, oh, I want to, I would, I would like to go. And she speaks fluent Spanish. So she would be like really helpful to translate a lot. And, um, she's like, but I, she's like, I, I would like if you would come with me because, you know, She's like, I just have to travel a little while and also make your dad happy, if, you know. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. And so we did. And a lot of things clicked for me on that trip in just regards of just like help other people. And my faith is really important to me. And so that was like a big starting point. And then I get to travel with my cousins who I love. Like it's everything was like in this package. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's let's figure out more about this out. And like. You know, and people go on like mission trips and stuff, they come back and they just have like kind of a new appreciation for things and a new, you know, just a view of, of how life is. And just, you know, you come, especially like if you're living in America, we have so many things and so much like our grocery stores are constantly like huge. And like we have a Costco, like that's not a thing. <laughs> that's anyway. not a thing in most countries. Yeah, that's not a thing. And so like, we're just, we're, we just have more than we need. I feel like that all the time. I just have 
more than I need. I'm very thankful for, you know, for that. If you are blessed with a lot of things, let's make the table longer and invite more people to it kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so, so, so starting with that, I went to Honduras and then um, I started just kind of helping out with a few things with the nonprofit. And then I started doing some, because uh, I'm a graphic designer, I do some marketing stuff for them and website, things like that. And as it kind of grew along, I would just start being a team leader with some of it. And um, we started just branching out more and more with it. It's a still, it's a, it's a smaller nonprofit. We're all volunteers with it. So all the donations that we get with it go directly into the programs. Like they're not paying my salary or anybody's salary for any of that. Um, so it's just that everything that we do, we're trying to help communities um, and groups of people in general. And we just, we, Build relationships with people in other countries and like we have some amazing friends in Africa that I miss so much because <laughs> we were supposed to go in May but we had to we had to cancel the trip because of COVID and try and you know keep everybody safe and everything but we're hoping that um that this coming year that we can go again <laughs> that everything settles out so how long do you usually go on your trips so we're usually there for about 10 days and then we like we really hit the ground running. Um, when I say like it took us like 50 hours to get to the one, I think 40 of that was the traveling and then we get there and you have to take like another bus to get to the spot. And then we like start doing surveys. So what Run for Water does is um, we um, fix uh, hand pump wells. So um, for all those who might know what particular ones they are, they're Mark 5, Mark 4, those are the model numbers um, because they just, you know, get fall in disarray and a lot of times the wells get installed, which is great and it's working for a while. But when you have thousands of people every day just pumping um, those hand pump wells, um, they just start to fall apart. The chain falls apart or there's a pipe inside that breaks and stuff. So we go, we check, we do like surveys. We have people in whatever country we're going to that helps that we work with all of the locals. We bring tools, they have tools, and then we kind of sit and we figure out how to fix it most of the time we can fix it sometimes you just can't because the earth shifted or it's you know the wells dried up i i I know a lot of people already know this but can you talk about the issue of water in oh yeah those regions (laughs) so um particularly i'll talk mainly to uganda just because i've spent more time in those areas the water situation is just rough and it's very hard to it's you have to travel far distances to get it it could be several miles um that people are going to get water. And they are carrying these yellow plastic jugs, which are called jerry cans, which are um, eight, eight gallons. And so that's 40 pounds. Um, and it's, so you're usually carrying, to, I kid you not, it's usually uh, a woman going to get the water or a young girl um, carrying two, sometimes a smaller one on their head. And then also like have like the little sister on their back and they're just like walking um, and they can walk several miles for that. Um, and a lot of the water gets contaminated. Um, some places it is in like a farm pasture area where animals are also getting into it, which means like animal fecal matter is getting into it. And so it's contaminated that way. It has to be treated. Um, and so just people get sick with it. Um, and so our goal is to try to create sustainable solutions for, for them to get clean drinking water. And so one of the things that we do We'll go there to a place where we'll repair the well. And I gotta tell you, it's like one of the coolest things. Like, it sounds <laughs> amazing. Yeah. If you're, if a well is being repaired right here, right here, there's a party going on. Like, <laughs> 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 like 
like there's it's it's fun it's dancing like everyone's dancing there's everyone's just excited because water means life and their lives are about to get a lot easier and just I mean imagine just if we were in that situation like especially because it's mostly the women that go get the water so you and I would be waking up early in the morning going to get the water and probably I would say in a lot of cases like two times a day um and actually it's a lot of young girls that go to do it so they wake up early they're vulnerable to attacks many of the girls like are sexually assaulted or assaulted in some way um it's dark they're walking alone um and they're carrying very heavy um jerry cans and just water for their family and then they come and then they come back and then they go to school and then they have to go again to get more water for that so um, because of that, we, we started a branch of the nonprofit called 84 Days. It's a women's ministry where we basically we work with women, women and girls, mainly girls in school, and we are working on fighting period poverty um, with those girls. And so it's all connected with the Run for Water. Like Run for Water is 84 Days, 84 Days is Run for Water because we're work, Run for Water works on the side of the water sanitation and um, accessibility to the water. And then if when we're working with the girls, they're the ones that are going to get the water um, and bringing it back. And so with them we do, um, and it's all about you know, sanitation and health. Um, so we do um, feminine hygiene workshops with them. We supply them with kits that will last them for up to 10 years um, of sustainable feminine hygiene products. It's everything. And I think about it all the time. Like every time I walk into the store, I see a wall like, of pads, tampons, menstrual cups, whatever we need, like at our fingertips all the time, but we're in like pretty rural areas. Um, and so they just, they're just not as, um, as accessible. And when we, we do kind of a poll in the beginning of the class in general, just like, so what we do is we'll have the girls come in like groups of 25, we kind of split them into two groups at the time. And so one half will go to self-defense classes um, and the other half will go to the workshops. And so we will just, um, we'll work with that 25 and then we'll have them switch and then we bring them together and we do like devotionals and prayers and then we like you know ask them tell, like tell us more about your life and they ask us questions and stuff but in the class we do like a little bit of a poll and we ask them just like what in general do you use and most of them use um, a disposable pad but a lot of them talk, would say that they use um, underwear, cloth, cardboard, um, we've heard banana leaves or corn husks and like in some severe cases, we've heard that uh, animal dung because of absorbent, which just causes like a whole issue of health problems. Holy moly. I had no idea. I mean, yeah. I've it's heard of the costs, but I didn't hear of that. Uh, and I think the number is 1.2 billion. I have to double check the, the facts on that. But I think the number is about one to that of women in the world that suffer from period poverty. They just don't have the things that they need. And... Mm -hmm. um, so That's something we, I ran into when I went to Nepal, uh, working with the women out there. That was a, an issue. <laughs> yeah. And it's also a taboo topic. So a lot of times, um, yeah. it's just not like something you talk about. Like uh, we'll have a conversation. Some schools, the girls know exactly what's going on just because like their teachers make sure that they like talk about in the health classes and other schools that we go to, you know, they, they don't really know. They know that they're going to get their period. They know that um, you can start having babies after you have your period. And you know that they're gonna have to deal with it but you know then we just like kind of go through the whole thing about how our body works and it's a good thing and it's a natural thing that we get our period you know it's not like you're being punished and it's you know it's it's part of you know all of god's plan like 
women just get their periods. Oh, um, so yeah, so we, we do the workshops with the girls. Um, and we have them. So what we actually, I have a kit here if you want to see the things that we. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we give them a little bag that's like this. It's a cute little drawstring bag. So, so, so for people that are listening, it's a drawstring bag. What color is it? Purple. <laughs> oh, and I should tell you too, our, this part, the branch is called 84 days because, um, girls suffering period poverty can miss up to 84 days worth of school. And so that's why we call the, that part of the organization that, and we're just trying to get, make sure the girls are attending school because at the end of the day, like opportunity comes from education and for them to finish high school, to continue on if they can, that's amazing. But it's also to like instill in other generations that the importance of education and um, they, these women are like, you know, future leaders of their communities, future leaders of their families, and they're going to be making decisions and we just want them to be as equipped as possible in doing all of this. So, and I mean, the bottom line of all of it is that we're, we're really trying to, we tell them, we're like, we are here because we want you to stay in school. We want you to learn all the things that you can learn. We want you to be able to do whatever you want to do in life, but we're doing it because you're important. And the reason why you're important is because God made you. And he has a plan for you. And so like, you're just trying to spread that, that love to you. I'll show you this kit. So for those who <laughs> can see it, it's a purple bag. Um, so inside we have um, about six to eight reusable pads that are made by some of the women in the States. Well, we have just groups that'll kind of reach out and say like, oh, we're a sewing group. We can put together some pads. We can we give them patterns or they have patterns. Um, but actually quite a bit of it is made in Africa by several women there that we pay them for a pad that they make and it goes right back into their communities basically. So, um, we have several women and like we, they showed us like the room and stuff that they have. They have like a few sewing machines. Like it's, it's cool. <laughs> and they just have like a wall of just like, I think they made last year, like 6,000. Wow. Um, because when we go to these places, we give out um, about six to eight pads in each kit. And so, and we try, and we usually meet with three to 400 girls. Um, wow. So, so each of these has a reusable pad and we show them how to like, how to wash them. Cause these can last them like five years, maybe more. Um, and then there's also Ziploc bag so that they can use for storage and washing. Um, a washcloth for just general washing of the pads or themselves. We supply each girl with two pairs of underwear. So those are donated or we get them in country. That's amazing. We try to get a lot of things in country just like to help out with whatever place we are, just the economy in general. But we get a lot of donations for things too. There's a bar of soap, which I can't find in this bag right now, but usually there's no bar of soap. Um, and then we have teamed up with Lena and dots um they a lot of times they will donate menstrual cups or they will help us with a discount with that and this is the one that we or the, the menstrual cups are the ones that we push more um just because this will last them up to 10 years it's sanitary if they keep it clean in between uses like like that'll take them all through middle school through high school you know yeah. and there's less waste and just it's just it's just easier to be honest yeah. Less yeah. weights. So what we do is we explain to them because a lot of them haven't even used a, a tampon. So it's kind of a foreign idea to have to insert something into the vagina. And we, um, we tell them like, it's okay. 
it's okay. We all do this. Right. That's amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about um, how do you have the stats of how many times women there get assaulted? Don't have the direct even direct stats, but I do know that we've had a discussion with many of the men um, in Uganda, and I think the stat they gave to the time was that fifty percent of uh, Ugandan men believe that they are entitled to sex and will rape because they're entitled to it at any point. So that's part of the part that we started including the self-defense classes because um, we went there we and we've like kind of honed in on the program for a little while now, but um, we went there initially just doing the, the workshops. And so once we kind of introduced self-defense classes, we do basic moves like showing like how to kind of get away from an attacker, um, doing using your full body when you go into like these moves so that, you know, you get yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, and so in those classes, we also give them all a whistle so that they can, you know, practice yeah. just making noise. And we tell them, we're like, these moves are not going to, this is not for you to become a superhero. Like <laughs> this is yeah. not going to take down a, you know, defeat a folk, but it's going to give you seconds. It can give you those moments to get away, to draw attention so that somebody can come to help you. Um, and I got to tell you, um, I, I would say that the average African girl or Ugandan girl is stronger than the average teenage American boy. Like they, like really? teenage- I mean, they're carrying. That's the thing. <laughs> they're why. carrying so much stuff on them and they're just like, like with the water. So they're strong. They're strong. And it's so I, it's one of my favorite things is watching the self-defense classes or being part of it. And it's just like seeing their, seeing them grow. And we spend an hour with uh, these classes with the girls and we'll have a duffel bag set up so that they can practice the moves on the duffel bag instead of, you know, hurting each other. And <laughs> in the beginning, they, they'll come up and they like, will do a little move and they'll like kind of punch a little bit and then like giggle and like run away. And then by the end of it, they are wailing on that bag and they're so strong. Like I, like I would be like holding the bag and they'd be pushing me back into the tree. Wow. Like it, it's like, and it's, and it's cool to see like their confidence grow in that too. And just like, this doesn't have to happen to me. I can do something about this. Um, and it's just like, it's, that's all part of like the empowerment. And we've talked with headmasters and stuff because it really was at one point just like, uh, we're like, well, it's a good thing to know. So we should just like include it. And he was just telling us that at one school in particular, he's like, I think the self-defense class is the most important thing just because a lot of the girls here, like they will be assaulted. Several of them will be sexually assaulted or raped. Others will become pregnant from the rape and have to drop out of school. Um, some have been like people in our girls in our community have been abducted before. Oh and it's just like, yeah. And so just the idea of like living with that in terror to have that happen, you know, and it's so to give them the ability to call attention because they're so quiet and they're so sweet. <laughs> and um, and it, we're working with girls from the range of like 12 years old to 18 to 20 years old, you know, wow. in, in that pocket, mainly in that pocket. And I like, and it's, they're just so respectful and they're very quiet and it's, you know, part of their culture. But like, once you kind of get them going a little bit, they are in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're ready so to impress everybody. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Like, and I like some of the guys in our team would like look at these girls and they're like, I would hate to be on the receiving end of that. Like, they're just like going at it and like, yeah. 
<laughs> out of all the people that you've met, can you tell me the most meaningful person you've you've met on your travels? Yeah, I would say, it, again, in um, just the Uganda context, so we work with a, a woman named Vivian. When we started doing some work there, we were connected with a preacher and his wife, and another preacher and his wife. Vivian's the daughter of one of, one of those couples, and so she came, kind of came around at the end of the first year, and she's just, like, so, like, you know, just so kind, and, like, she just wants to, like, work for the Lord, and she really wants her her country and her community to really be um to do well and just to like to help these girls and stuff it's an important part to her so she started coming around and like helping out with some of the translations at the end of that trip and so we didn't really get to know her that much and then in that next trip it really became her and she brought a friend of hers too and then her name is Nora so Vivian and Nora have since just really like really blossomed this program um and they are like Vivian we asked her like if she was interested in taking self-defense classes more so that she could teach more of this stuff because we know some moves um and she's like yeah absolutely she did like rigorous training <laughs> and living could kick your butt yeah, she's ready she's like <laughs> yeah, she's ready so she really just kind of took this and that's like the main thing like we don't we kind of want to help start some of the programs and but let the locals let the people that live there they're running it you know take over and then we can take more and more steps back and then you know then we can move to another area to help with something there and then just keep the communication open and stuff and so um and vivian is very big about going back to the schools to check up on them to do classes too with the girls about like about the workshops again if they have any questions about stuff because we're there for just a small blip this is you know her life and her community. And so she started doing some more survey work. So at the end of the classes, probably two and a half hours total that we're all together with these groups, of, with a group of girls. And so at the end of the classes, we just bring everyone together. We'll have snacks. We'll just sit around and chat for a little bit. And then Vivian gets up and she just starts talking to them. And she's yeah. such like, when like, she's like just kind of around, she's like very quiet and chill. But when she's in front of those girls, like she is in charge mm -hmm. and she is a leader. And she's like explaining to them, she's like, I did it you can do it too. You can like finish school. You can go to college. It's important to read. It's important to stay in school. It's important to trust God. It's important to, you know, to be with your family. And just like one of the things that's like the, the best, the best part of all of it is just kind of seeing like, honestly, watching her work. And, um, she brought her, her roommate and good friend, and she's been such a great help with that. And her name is Nora. And then Vivian got married actually just like five days before we got there <laughs> this um, last time that we were there in December and she they like like I think it's um I don't know if they go on a honeymoon or not but I think they were having like a like a trip or something or just like yeah. some time away from the family she's like oh we had to cut we cut it short and we're like oh we're so sorry that and she was like no this is a more important you know like this, this is great yeah <laughs> she's like this is good and then she was saying in like that area or my understanding of it and she said she had a job at like this car rental company and she told them like she's like oh I'm gonna be working with this group for she's like but I'll be back and he was like no you can't go and she's like no this is this like she's like I want to serve God and like this is more important to me so I'm gonna go <laughs> she, left. She, she left that job yeah 
which um, is like a big deal. And so, and then she got married to this really nice guy and he's a preacher at a church out there. And we started talking with them about like how we want to expand the programs and stuff because we've just, been, just only been working with the girls, but we're like, well, the, the boys are important too. Like we don't want to leave them out about stuff. But we started a program called Real Men, um, which is part of the 84 Days program. And it's talks, and we were just like, well, we need the guys on our team to like really work with that. And I worked with, um, the youth group at my church here in Colorado and with the boys there. And I was like, okay, guys, I want you to just like get together and just kind of make up a loose curriculum of things that we should like be touching with, like about like what we should talk about with, cause we're talking about two teen boys. So the boys came back with like a whole thing and we're like, we need you to just come up with like a little thing, like a pledge or something for the boys to be a part of and to like take, and like they came back with like this thing about like, what it's, it is to be like a real man and it was like we protect uh, women we don't exactly. we stop the violence we uh, stand up for others that need help and like it was just like this beautiful thing I was like I'm I'm not crying it's fine <laughs> Vivian's husband John so he had actually already been doing something along these lines before like we like talking about them and we we're like and now like they go together and she like will talk to the girls and he'll talk to the guys and it's just like this awesome team I love it oh um have you ever heard a story from any of those young women that really stuck out to you that you know impacted you so we do go back to the schools and just kind of check them out because basically we want to make sure that we're giving them the things that they need and not things that we think they need you know and so um, like, are you using the pads? Is that working out for you? Are you using the menstrual cup? Are you like, cause a lot of times they're like, well, we tried it or it didn't really work. We're like, okay, if you want to try it again, or how can we better help you with, you know, you tell us kind of a thing. And so one of the things that we do ask is, uh, have you, any of you felt like you've had to use any of the self-defense moves on attackers? And there's always a, like, I think at one school it was like five or six girls that like raised their hand that, that they have and they've able to get away from their attacker which is like so like we tell them we're like we hope you never have to use these like we just want you to live that life where you're everything is fine and you never this never is even an issue for you but we know that it is and girls in the united states also get attacked and um you know we just want to we want you to be as safe as you can be so um just knowing that they are using that it just kind of enforces more of that that's necessary. And so like Vivian going back and showing them more moves or just like reinforcing the moves that they learned that day. And wow, that is, that's amazing to hear the feedback after the fact, you know, hearing that, that, that what you guys are doing is working must be really fulfilling. So I have another question. What is your most interesting travel story? We almost got struck by lightning once. (laughs) We were in Nicaragua, and so we had, um, and so we got, like, got there. This was a different mission trip, and we arrived there, and on our first night, we stay at this little, like, cantina kind of situation, and it's very, like, it's like dirtbag surfers and us, <laughs> and it's awesome. It's it's so great. That sounds <laughs> like, awesome. What you do is, like, we, we had... Um, we had this driver that we hired every time and his name was Christian and Christian was just like the happiest person you've ever met. And like the second you saw them, your life just got better. And <laughs> so he was just like, he always puts you in a good mood right when you get off the plane. And then 
Um, he would drive us to basically just like this fisherman's wharf area. Um, it's like a few boats here and stuff. And we're so we pay, we find a random fisherman and we pay him to take us to this little island, which is like not that far, but like, and I remember we had like, we had this other girl with us that she's um, from that area and she like never, she's like, how did you guys find, like she's trans, she's like, how did you even know about this? We're like, I don't, we just find things sometimes. Like, <laughs> so, and we have this, so we get there and it's it's more like a hostel kind of thing and so like like all the girls are in one bunk room we had all the guys in the bunk room and stuff and then we're like outside it's very open it's right on the beach and we see like this awesome thunderstorm come like rolling in and like so like everyone's like kind of crowded and like underneath like i guess a thatch roof or whatever it was that we had and stuff and like we're watching it was really cool and um there was like a, a tower it wasn't like a cell phone tower but something of that equivalent just like a large metal <laughs> something something um that was not that far away from us i want to say it was like like 50 feet or something and we're just like you know we're and we're watching this happen over the ocean and it's just like beautiful and like majestic and then all of a sudden like the lightning strikes that tower and it was the loudest and the brightest thing I've ever like experienced and like like I screamed a little bit <laughs> you're like ah! you're, yeah I was, like and it was like you felt it in your bones like <laughs> we um so like and like obviously the power was just out like everything was just done and so it's crazy it was crazy and then like some of our girls so they had like these showers shower rooms I guess but they're each individual like you open the door and you, you're in the shower kind of thing yeah yeah um, and they like came out <laughs> and they like looked for us and were like, what? Um, like, I was like, are you okay? They're like, you were in the shower. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? You're like, yeah, we're fine. But we heard like, it's like three stalls or something like that. And she's like, at the end, there was a, a dude that wasn't part of our group. And he's like, he just like came out. She's like, so he's just standing there naked. Like, in <laughs> And they're like, are you okay? And then he's like, I had my hand on the metal handle right when it hit. And that, that shower room is like really close to that thing. Oh my like, God. He ended up, he was okay. But like, <laughs> yeah. So we, we almost got struck by lightning on our first night. It was like, welcome to Nicaragua. <laughs> welcome to adventure. Yeah. So, I'm going to be fine, but <laughs> yeah. really <laughs> So what is your most favorite place you've ever traveled? So I lived in Italy for about six months when I was doing the study abroad. So That's a, nice. Yeah. So I'm a little bit partial and biased to Florence, Italy, um, just because I got to like learn the ins and out a little bit more. And then it's changed so much now. I went back a few years ago and it's, um, they had like this open market that was just, it was the best. Like the first floor was like breads and meats. And then the second floor was like vegetables and fruits and stuff. And oh my God. There was, like, and then now it's very different. I think it's like a cafe upstairs and like, there's like wow. one little section and like, there was this bread girl who always like went to get our bread from and she was just like the cutest and she always had like a blossom hat on with like a flower <laughs> and like but my favorite was um my dry a, a dried fruit guy and <laughs> he had like his little booth in the corner and I kid you not I loved him so much because of his haircut and it was just like this straight across here <laughs> and then like down and then like a nice little like it was like no. a very it was like in the medieval, like monks, like the however you picture that, that's exactly how it was. And then I went back seven years later and he still had the same haircut. And it was no, amazing. He did not. He did not. 
He did. I got my apples and I was like, that's it. Does he remember you? <laughs> I don't think so, but I remember him and that's what's important to me. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably my one of my favorite places. And uh, but also, so since my mom's from Chile, um, I went down with her. Oh, it's been years, but we went down to visit some family or people that we consider family that are like her people that she grew up with and stuff. And that was a great one just because like all these stories came out about her childhood. And oh. so she, her father was in the military, so they moved around quite a bit. And just like um, she took me to the town, one of her favorite towns that they lived in. And she was talking like, oh, she's like, there was this... Um, this uh, pet store that was here on the way to school and they had penguins in Chile. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so she's like, and every day, like this little penguin would come out and like walk with <laughs> us to like the school and then like kind of turn around and come back and then like wait for them. It was just like, of course a penguin followed you around. Like, <laughs> That's like a new kind of Snow White, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. So I would say Italy and Chile are probably my two favorite. Um, <laughs> To visit. <laughs> okay, so tips and tricks for anyone traveling to your two favorite places. Um, well, I'm a very much of the school of a light traveler. So the less you can bring, the better. Um, you can wash clothes in the sink, uh, <laughs> um, cut the toothbrush in half. You don't need the whole thing. Like, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, if you go to Italy, if you go to Florence, there is this restaurant called um, Epizzola Due, I think it's called. And it's this pizza place that when we were going to school there, it was only Italians that went there. But I think like now they've, like, it's been more of a tourist thing. But get the smoked mozzarella. And it's Ooh, like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> smoked um, mozzarella and what? Get the smoked mozzarella. It's the best. You're going to love it. And then if you're going to Chile, um, like, I mean, it's just, it's such a diverse country just because it's so like geographically, like it's so long. And so like we went there in our winter here, which was their summer. Um, but then like we took a bus all the way to the South and um, then we were like in winter jackets again and stuff. So just like when you go to those places, obviously you have to prepare for all types of weather, but it's go as far as you can and eat the empanadas. They're amazing. <laughs> oh, that sounds so nice. Actually, uh, going to see Patagonia is on the top, on the top of my list. It's Africa, and Kenya, and Tanzania, and Uganda, and then and then Patagonia. Like, it's just, it has it's gonna happen. So I feel like we could do all of those together. <laughs> yes, that would be fun. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'm. Yeah. I want to. I want to do the W so bad. Like you know, I don't know if you know the W hike in in Patagonia, but it's I've this. Heard about it. Oh gosh. So I've been dreaming about it for years. And so that's on top of my list. After I finally get to Africa, I was supposed to go and now I can't, but hopefully next year. Um, okay. So what is the one interesting item that you take with you when you travel or something that you always purchase when you go travel? Yeah. So because I'm like a light packer, like there's a lot of things that I just don't take with me, but I always will buy what I look for is a locally made item. Um, but I'm a sucker for a tapestry or um, like something that's like, so I have like scarves and like a table runner from Central America. And there's just like, there's bright colors and things that I wouldn't normally like just pick out from the store or pick out for myself just because they're just made by these people's hands. And I like to talk to them about their process and like what they do. My last trip to Africa, there's a fabric store. So in Jinja, 
there's a small little strip that's like where a, is ginja ginja is in uganda okay um and it's a small little strip that has like some touristy shops and stuff but there's a fabrics little shop in there and so i've gone then every time i go there i go there and i buy new fabrics um in general because i like to like sew and do things like that here and then um they had some like quilts that they've made and so i'll just like get one of those and then um just like kind of chat with them about what they in the woman who makes them she sits at an old um metal like those old cast iron sewing machines where yeah. like you just pedal it back and forth and that's what gets it and they're just like these crazy beautiful fabrics that i would never pick out anywhere and it's just like you know, she's like oh yeah i made this at this time and i'm asked i don't know just talking about their craft and stuff i really that's one of my favorite things I always love asking that question because it's so different. Everyone has a thing that they do. Yeah. So it's uh, amazing. And the tapestry in different countries, like going to Peru or Nepal, you always see something so beautiful that is just made there and it's different. You know, it's just, it's a whole nother thing. And it's just, it's a, the personality of the people come out in those pieces of items. Yeah. So I love that. I'm friends with that they've traveled their whole, like they were in their seventies and like hitchhiking across Switzerland, kind of a couple. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, <laughs> they're like who I want to be. Um, and I would just, she had tapestries like all over the house. And I'd be like, I feel like this is from like this, like this country. And she's like, yeah, she's like, you're like Central America or like, this is from more of like an Argentina, like just like the way that things are done. You can kind of start to get an eye for it. And she's like, oh, I got this on the, you know, and there's always a story like, oh, oh we were hitchhiking and then like this person picked <laughs> us up and like brought us into their house. And then like we made like all this, you know, it's, it's great. <laughs> can you give me a piece of life advice that you would give to a younger Ashley? say yes to really great opportunities because you never know what's going to happen. Like maybe something that you don't even think is a great opportunity to say, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then you're going to get a story about it. <laughs> and just like, and this is for like traveling and just for life, just be kind to everybody. Like, like whether or not like they're having a hard time or you're just trying to get through a country or just trying to order at a table, you know, just, show that kindness and like, don't be the stubborn American, <laughs> you know, <laughs> try and learn a few words in that language and it'll get you a lot farther than just, you know, to try to tell somebody what to do or something like that. So yes. like anybody who wants to travel, like just, just be kind. Everybody knows each other at some point. Everyone's connected in some weird way, you know. It's so true. It's so true. Okay. So where can we find you and perhaps the organizations that you're working with? Yeah. So, um, you can check out, we are on Facebook and Instagram for run for water. Um, and the same for 84 days. Um, and you can check us out our website at runforwater.net. It's run the number four and then water.net and then 84 days it's the numbers 84 and days.net um if you're interested in like joining a mission trip or want to do something local we love when people kind of take things and go with it um run for water we'd put on some races sometimes um it's just to bring awareness for the uh, water crisis if you are interested in purchasing one of these kits that we do and so that um, it'll go to somebody who needs it. We have some forms and stuff like that for you to fill out. One of these kits costs $15 and that's uh, sustains a girl for 10 years. Like it's Amazing. kind of crazy how 
just $15. So we'll do that for somebody. And then we get the information back to you. It kind of takes a little bit of time because depending on like when the trips are taking place and stuff like that, but we get the information back to you of who got it and like where, where she lives, like, cause we traveled to Haiti, uh, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, we've done Honduras in the past and then we branched out in the past few years to Uganda and Kenya. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe, share it to your friends, and follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.